Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Denny. Great job leading us in worship today. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 9. Hey, next week we're going to start something, um, uh, a, a series called The Mission, and a lot of in, interesting things are happening starting next Sunday, and so we'll tell you about all those then, and so I'm going to start a series uh, next Sunday uh, that'll go multi-weeks, but today I just kind of want to preach a sermon. I, I want to preach a kind of a wrap-up uh, 2017 start 2018 sermon. When you look back at uh, over 2017, wow, it's hard to believe 2018's here, right? Can I get an amen on that? I mean, it's hard. Uh, my wife and I uh, both talk about all the time. We met in 1985, and, and we grew up kind of in a uh, uh, an ultra-conservative uh, Baptist movement back in the day, and, and and look, Jesus is coming again. Don't get me wrong, but we 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 thought he's coming to like the next day. Like we always thought, you know, two thousand. We weren't going to be here around on the year two thousand. How many of you got Y two K ready? Let me see your hand. Anybody see? Yeah, yeah. And so we thought, man, if he's coming in two thousand, and and you know, and Jesus coming. Now don't don't hear me wrong. The Lord is coming. Uh, but we just didn't think 2018 was going to get here, and here we are. And you look back over 2017, and man, it, it's hard to remember all that went on in 2017. I, I did a little digging this week, and the easiest way to do this is just go to Google and figure out what the uh, top searches of the year were on Google, and it kind of reminds you of what went on for the year. So here, here's what happened in 2017. Here's the top overall searches in 2017. Um, Hurricane Irma was number one, and a lot of, lot of issues with hurricanes this year. iPhone 8 and iPhone X were number two uh, overall searches this year, new, new technology. Matt Lauer was the third most searched thing on the internet this year, and um, just represents a lot of what went on uh, in, in regards to his situation. Meghan Markle, who I guess is going to be the new princess over in uh, uh, England, and uh, the uh, Netflix show 13 Reasons Why was the fifth most searched term overall, 2017. When you look at the top people's names that were searched, it was uh, number one, Matt Lauer, number two, Meghan Markle, uh, uh, number three, Nadia Tofa, who was a, a reporter who did some things, number four, Harvey Weinstein, and number three, Kevin Spacey. Three of those names were because of sins and transgressions on their part. Then the, the millennials have to decide a little bit. I, I looked at top recipe searches this year in 2017. It's obvious millennials now have an oven, but they, we didn't teach them how to cook, right? Like we didn't teach our kids how to cook. The, the, the top search recipe is chicken breast recipe. Now, here's why that's funny. The second top search is ground beef recipe. Because I can see a 24-year-old going in the kitchen and saying, now, how do you make ground beef? Well, you don't do it in the kitchen, by the way. It's made uh, somewhere else. How do, what's that recipe my mama used for ground beef? 
number three was Turkish bread. Number four was French toast. And here's, a, here's our millennials again. Number five, cake. It's a little more complicated than that, ladies. And so, uh, um, uh, and then I looked at the top meme searches for the year. Now, you know what a meme is? It's a picture that kind of has word overlays on it that um, uh, are funny or poignant sometimes. And uh, so the top meme search was uh, Cash Me Outside. You, you might remember that girl. Uh, she was something else. Number three was Elf on the Shelf. Number four was What in Tarnation. Number five was Spongebob uh, meme. But number two, I'd almost forgotten about. Number two was United Airlines. You remember the United Airlines story in 2017? Almost got uh, 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 lost because it happened back on April 9th. United Airlines had overbooked one of their flights at Chicago International Airport, and they needed to get four uh, employees on a plane to get them somewhere else. And so they kept offering money vouchers uh, to get people off the plane, and people didn't take uh, buy into it because if you're like me when you travel, I don't build in any margin in my schedule. If I don't catch this plane, I don't make my meeting. And so I'm sure that's true with a lot of people. And so they finally kept upping the number where they got three people off the plane, but they couldn't get a fourth. So they just selected Dr. David Dow. You remember him? United Flight 3411. And he refused to depart. He was a doctor who said he had to go see a patient. And so they got tired of him refusing to get off the plane. And so they apparently bludgeoned him off the plane. How many of you remember that story, right? Yeah, it was an awful story, awful story. But a, a lot of interesting memes popped up around that, and so I thought I'd remind, put one of those up there. When United Airlines calls your name on a plane. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's show, go show a second one. If we cannot beat our competitors, we beat our customers. <laughs> That's pretty good. Number three. Fly United, we put the hospital in hospitality. <laughs> I love that. Show me the next one. We can do this the easy way or the, don't show me the fifth one yet. We can do this the easy way or the United way, your choice. <laughs> I love this fifth one. Any, anybody watch Walking Dead? Any, any zombie fans? All right, here's, here's, here's number five. Any, mini miny mo, which passenger has to go if you watch the Walking Dead? Oh, that was... 2017, right? It was that kind of year for some people. As for some of you, it was <coughs> that kind of year for you. And here is what you'd like to do in 2018. You would like to start off 2018 better than maybe the way you ended up 2017. You'd like to do some things different. You would like to turn the corner. From 2018 to, from 2017 to 2018 and kind of turn the page even. So let's talk about that this morning. Let's talk about turning the corner into 2018. And let's look in Mark chapter 9. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Mark chapter 9 beginning in verse 14. And when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the scribes, one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. 
And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he throws him, both, throws him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, comma, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Thank you. You may be seated. So like normal, let me walk you through the story and then let me make some observations about us turning the corner into 2018. Now, what what has just happened in Mark chapter 9 is what we call the transfiguration. The transfiguration is where Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and uh, John up on the mountain and there he was transfigured in all of his glory before them. And so The Father let the glory of God reside upon Jesus, and it was literally and figuratively a mountaintop experience that Jesus had went up there and been (coughs) shown, the disciples had been shown all of the glory of God. And so they had been on this mountaintop, and it had been a fantastic spiritual time. I mean, if you go back in your life, if you think about the greatest spiritual moment of your life You could multiply it by a thousand and you wouldn't experience what these disciples had experienced and what Jesus had experienced here on the mountaintop. And so keep in mind, Peter, James, John, and Jesus, they had been on the Mount of Transfiguration. It had been an amazing spiritual accomplishment. And then they walk down the mountain and they're confronted by a demon. And can I just stop and say how often is that true in our own lives? That mountaintop experiences don't seem to last very long. That whenever we feel like we've got all of life together, the enemy always has something waiting on us just around the corner somewhere. And the story begins in verse 14 that Jesus came down the mountain to meet up with the rest of the disciples and the people were amazed. Most commentators think probably there was this shroud of the glory of God still on Jesus and Jesus walks down from the mountain And he came down to a really big argument, and the crowds and the scribes were arguing with his disciples. And they saw Jesus and went running to Jesus, and he asked the scribes, hey, what's this argument about? In verse 17, a man cries out. He said, hey, here's what the argument's about. I brought my son. Another passage tells us it's his only son. And he said he can't talk, and he, he can't hear, and he has an evil spirit that causes him to foam at the mouth and in general act crazy. Now, in that day and age, the father described what would have been commonly called as falling down disease. People thought it was a 
a demonic spirit or an evil spirit, and, and in this case it definitely was. Julius Caesar is said to have had, later on in life, falling down disease. And the father said, well, I, I, I asked your disciples, the nine who were left, Peter, James, and John are on the mountain with Jesus, and I, I came to the other disciples and I asked them to cast this spirit out, and, and they could not. Literally, in, in the Greek it says, they lacked the strength to cast out this demon. And so Jesus scolded the faithless generation he was speaking to. He scolded the disciples because they could not cast out the spirit. He'd already given them control over the spirits. And he scolded the scribes who didn't believe it could be done. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And immediately the boy fell down and went into a convulsion. Jesus asked, how long has this been going on? And, and the father said, it's from a child this has been happening. And the father even said, it's worse than that. It's just not the, the deaf and the mute spirit. It's not just that he has convulsions. This evil spirit that resides within my son has many times tried to kill my son. It's thrown him into the fire and tried to burn him alive. It's thrown him into the water and tried to drown him. You can imagine the anxiety of these parents. And in verse 23, Jesus begins this healing process and he said, to the man, I can help you if you believe. All things are possible if you believe. Now look this way just for a moment, church. There are those that take that verse and, and, and say that it means that faith can accomplish anything. That if you just believe, it will come true. And what happens oftentimes is we, we hear preachers say, well, if it's not, if you're not getting rich, it's because you don't believe. If you're not getting all of the desires of your heart, it's because you don't have enough faith. That is not what Jesus was saying in that passage. That is never what Jesus intended in that passage. What Jesus is saying in that passage is it does not mean that faith can accomplish anything, but that those who have faith will set no limits on the power of God. It is not a if I, if I name it, I claim it mentality. It is a I serve a God who if it's his will can do anything he wants to do. And so Jesus said, uh, all things are possible to those who believe. Do you believe in that? And here's what's interesting. Several of the oldest manuscripts leave out the word believe. And so it almost says this. Jesus almost was turning his words back on the man. And uh, he, he said this. He, Jesus almost, he could be translated, he said this. If you can, because the man had said to Jesus, Jesus, if you can do something. And Jesus said back, if I can, a rhetorical question. No, if you can believe. All things are possible. And so I love, I love this verse. I, I love this verse, verse 24, because it feels like it's my life so many times. Lord, I believe. Eh, help my unbelief, right? Like it's in the moment that I cry out, Lord, I believe. Well, wait, help my unbelief, God. You can hear the <coughs> desperation in the Father's plea. And so Jesus rebuked the Spirit and ordered it out of the boy. He said, I command. 
in verse number 25. It is a term implying military authority. I command. I command this demon to come out and this demon to stay out. And the boy, it came out, it cried and came out and they thought the boy was dead. Some even believe the boy was dead and that there was a second miracle in the resurrection of Jesus. But nevertheless, Jesus lifted him up and he was healed. The verses conclude, the story concludes in verse 28 and 29 as Jesus always had these sidebar situations with his disciples. And so the, the, the nine disciples let all of that take place and they got Jesus over to the side and they said in verse 28, now question Jesus, why couldn't we cast that evil spirit out? And Jesus' reply is surprising both in that it appears to differentiate demons into categories of difficulty and it implies that the disciples did not pray because he said in verse 29 this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting do you know how we are when difficult times come our way I mean can we just be honest if you'll look this way for a second that we get really spiritual when times get bad don't we right like if we need something, we get ultra spiritual. If we need something, we get close to God. If something starts to fall apart in our lives, that's when we say, well, I better, I better get in church. I'd better give. I'd better tithe. I'd better go to Sunday school. I'd better, I'd better witness. I, I, I might want to, uh, you know, we get re read my Bible. We, we get real spiritual when times get hard. But notice what Jesus said in verse 29. He didn't just say this kind comes out by prayer because no doubt the disciples had prayed. He said it comes out by prayer and fasting. And the word in fasting, I don't even want to dwell on the fast. Fast means to do without something for an extended period of time in order to focus on your relationship with God. And so he was not, he was not, it's not just about the fasting. Here's what Jesus would say, that, that when you have a difficult time, it's not just about the quick prayer you can pray in the emergency. It's have you been walking with God before the emergency happens? Because I can pray quickly, I can't fast quickly. It, it, Jesus, verse 29, is talking about a regimen in a spiritual life. He's talking about the spiritual disciplines in the Christian life. And Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, hey, it's not about a quick prayer you can get off. We need to cast a demon about, out. It's about have you been walking with God? You say, well, preacher, how does that Help me, how's that story help me turn the corner in 2018? So let me tell you three things this story tells us. Number one is this we all have demons that need to go. Now, now hold on just for a second, because I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you think, wait a minute, preacher, uh, you said I have demons. Now, I'm going to be careful. When we put this sermon outline on social media, I want you to understand what we're saying. When I say demons, in the context of this point, I'm not really referring to demons, though I believe in demons. Now get me on this, follow me, I believe in demons in this world. I believe the Bible teaches us that demons are fallen angels, that they, they can inhabit unbelievers, that they can influence believers, that we are in spiritual warfare. And Jesus is very plain with that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers of the darkness of this age. Listen, we, de de demons are real. Evil spirits are real. And this is without a doubt not just a disease that Jesus is dealing with in Mark chapter 9. It is an evil spirit. 
it is a demonic activity in this child's life. So hear me say, I firmly believe in demonic activity. I'm not, I'm not discounting it. But what I'm not saying in this is that we all are inhabited by a demon. That's, that's not what I mean by that. Because as a believer, I don't think a demon can inhabit your life. The spirit of God and the uh, uh, spirit of the devil cannot both coexist inside your heart and life. But when I say we all have demons that need to go, here's what I mean by that. When you look back on 2017, every one of us have failures we'd like to atone for. Can I get an amen out of that? I mean, your failure may have been something in your marriage. It may have been something in your family. It may have been with your finances. It could be with your health. It could be with your job. You're, you're, the, the, the failures in your life could have been spiritual. It could have been a sin that you, can't, that you committed that you seemingly can't get over. It can be habits and addictions that are afflicting your life. It could be omission. Let's think back to the beginning of last year. Last year, how many of us uh, made a commitment at the altar that we were going to start walking closer to God, that we were going to be more faithful to church, we were going to be more faithful in our tithing, we were going to be more faithful in our serving God, and, and it could be that you made all of these commitments last year, and yet they never really stuck. The fact is, every one of us are like that father. We have a demon that needs to go. It's something in our lives that is either making our life miserable or it's hindering us from being what God wants us to be. And those things have a way of dominating your life, your thoughts, your schedule, your heart, your mind. And if you do an inventory of your life, you will find some things that just have to go. They either need to be exercised from your life or they need to be included into your life. They are sins of commission or there are sins of omission. And the first step in turning the corner in 2018 is doing the inventory in your life to see what the problems are. Admitting you have a problem is the first step. My wife and I have both been sick the last couple of weeks, been on vacation and she caught something, then I caught it and I caught uh, uh, bronchitis this week, and I'm in a barrel this morning. I can't hear very well, and if I'm screaming, uh, uh, it's just because I can't hear myself this morning. But uh, uh, so we have discovered with our insurance something called Teladoc. Anybody else have Teladoc? Man, that is the greatest thing ever. Ten bucks, you call a doctor. They call you right. You can FaceTime the doctor. And so I got sick this week. I got sick about Tuesday. Wednesday, it got really bad. Wednesday night. Thursday, I woke up 8 o'clock, and I called the doctor uh, by 8 o'clock. I woke up before that, but called the doctor by 8 o'clock and said, hey, uh, I need to talk to a doctor. And so the doctor called me back, and, and the doctor calls me back, and he, and he starts off the conversation this way, and tell me, what's going, tell me what's going on. Dr. Lee was his name. Tell me what's going on. And I said, um, hey, I'm fine. I just want somebody to chat with. <laughs> and he said, well, you didn't start the conversation. No, I didn't start the conversation all that way. How ridiculous would it have been? As a matter of fact, the very first words when he said, is this Mr. Sutherland? I said something like, yes, it is. He said, you don't sound well. 
I said, I don't feel well either. And he, he began to ask me what was wrong. What, what if we need to ask me what was wrong? I said, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. I just, I just wanted somebody to talk to. I just had 10 extra dollars, and I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to somebody and just chit-chat for a little while. You said, well, that would be crazy to do that, to be sick and not acknowledge that you had sin. That's exactly right. It would be. It would have been crazy for me to have called Teladoc and just to have a chit-chat with them. But yet... Sometimes when we turn the corner in the new year, we kind of do the same thing. I'm fine. Nothing I need to do better. No habits in my life I need to get rid of. No sins in my life I need to deal with. No shortcoming. Listen, nothing's eating away at my happiness. Nothing's eating away at my joy. Nothing is killing my walk with God. And and listen, it's not the doctor, but it's the Holy Spirit in, in your heart that is right now saying to you, you know that's not true. You, you know that you have issues in your life that need to be dealt with. You know you have things in your life that need to be uh, cleaned out. You know that there are shortcomings in your life where you ought to be serving God. And, and, and in 2017, you didn't close out the year so well. But let's do things differently in 2018 in the first Step in admitting it is saying, hey, we've all got demons that need to go. Second thing this story tells us is our want to tends to be bigger than our can do. I love the honesty of the dad in this situation. Jesus says, um, do you believe? I do believe. Eh, help my unbelief. I mean, there's an honesty in that text that you don't get many places. It was as if the man was saying, Jesus, I want to believe, but I need some help getting there. I want to have the faith that I need, but I'm not sure I do. So, Lord, help me where I don't have the faith. This man was honest enough to say this to Jesus of all people. My want to is bigger than my can do. How many of us is that true about in our own lives? How desperately we want to turn the corner in our lives, but our want to tends to be bigger than our can do. And you can look back at last year about this time, about this sermon, about this place. Uh, You can look back over 50 sermons you heard throughout the year and you can say, well, there were so many times God spoke to my heart. There were so many times the word of God impacted my life. And when I left church, my want to was there. But come Monday morning, my can do just didn't quite have it. Hey, it was not just true for this man. It was true for the disciples too. They wanted to cast out the demon, but their can-do didn't match up. And you've had that in your life, right? Where you wanted to do better. You wanted to do right. You wanted to start to get something done. You meant to be at church every Sunday. You meant to uh, tithe. You meant to give. You meant to pray. You meant to read your Bible. You meant to walk with God. Your want to was there. But our can-do has a way of letting us down. I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions. Studies show about 50% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. If you made one this year, here's probably 
what you made. 53% of people said their number one New Year's resolution was to save money. Uh, 45% of Americans said their number two resolution was to lose weight or get into shape. 23% wanted to read more books. 16% wanted to quit smoking. 15% wanted to find love. So you write down the list, and, and the odds of you uh, uh, doing it go up if you write it down, but about 50% or so of Americans make resolutions. Guess how many of those people actually achieve their resolutions? It's between 8 and 10%. 48% of people say they have infrequent success. 42% of people say they have absolutely no success every year. None. And so here's the statistic. 73% will maintain their resolutions for one week. And then the numbers drop off dramatically from there. 73% maintain resolutions for one week. And by the end of the year, maybe 8% to 10% kept their resolutions. Why is that? Because we all want to. It's the can-do part that trips us up. Lord, I believe. Ah. Help my unbelief. How often is that true for you? And how often is that true for you spiritually? We tend to give up, but the problem is that we forget greater is he that is in us than in he that is in the world. And if all it took was want to, we'd all be perfect. But it takes can do to go along with it. And there's got to come this point of honesty in our Christian lives with God. When we look at God and we say, God, I want to be more faithful. I want to be a better Christian. I want to live for you. I want to give up this stuff. But God, I can't do this with my own power. Help me. Help me. That leads me to the third thing, and I'm finished. And that is, we learn from this story that the key to moving up is kneeling down. Disciples wanted to know why they couldn't do what Jesus had done in verses 28 and 29. And in verse 29, he told them, he said, you want those kind of victories in your life. You want to be able to get demons out of your life? You want to be able to get evil spirits out of your life? You want to be able to do, do what I just did? Here's the deal, verse 29. This time only comes about by prayer and fasting. Now, here's the truth, church. Hear, me, hear this. Don't miss this. Whatever demon you're trying to get rid of, listen, listen, your key is always your walk with God. Prayer and fasting and your Bible and your church and your giving and your obedience to the things of God is the key to overcoming all of the problems and shortcomings in your life. Now, we have a generation of young Christians... Just do me a favor, close your Bible and look this way, because I, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I'm, a, I'm not going to preach for three or four more minutes, and I'm, I'm finished. We have a generation of young Christians who like to remove obedience from the equation. I see them on social media all the time. They like to say that my generation is hung up on performance-based Christianity. And they talk about how God loves you no matter what, Right? Now, hold, stay with me. That's why I want you to close your Bibles and listen to me. Can I say this? That for salvation, God does love you no matter what, right? 
The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is absolutely true, that God knows your life. He knows you. You don't have a sin that surprises him. And in order for you to be saved, God loves you no matter what. But can I say this? After you get saved, God's love doesn't change, but there are some expectations on your life after you get saved. And we have a group of young Christians who are coming along in Christianity today that say, oh, oh, those old, old guys, they talk about the rules and the regulations, and all we want to talk about is the love of God. Well, the problem with that is you leave out some really important verses in the Bible. Let me give you a couple of them, and I could give you more. John 14, 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, does anybody know how that ends? Keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, I could have told you a whole lot more than that, but those two say it so plainly, there's no need to say anything else. Yeah, the, the, the love of God for you never wavers. That's absolutely true, but the question is not, does God love me? The question is, do you love God? And Jesus has made it very, very plain. And the answer is this, if you love God, you walk with God. If you love God, you keep his commandments. If you love God, you live for him. And so here's the key to turning the corner. Jesus said it in verse 29. Get on your knees. Walk with God. Love him. Serve him. Learn from him. Know him. You're thinking, wait a minute, preacher. I don't have a spiritual problem. You're saying, well, preacher, if you, if you knew what my shortcoming was, if you know what my demon is, it's not about reading my Bible. Preacher, I got a, I got a physical problem. I got a sin. I got a thing. I got something. Listen, listen to me. All problems are spiritual problems. And the more like Jesus I become, the closer I get to him, the more my problems are fixed. And I can turn the corner in 2018. The other day I was uh, upstairs in our home and uh, Sherry was downstairs, and I'll, I'll be honest, I was getting in some PlayStation time. And so uh, my kids introduced me to a new game called Fortnite, and so I've been playing that over the holidays a little bit. And I was upstairs getting in some, uh, some uh, PlayStation time, and I knew I was about to win. I could just tell I was about to win the game. And all of a sudden it said, you have been disconnected from the internet, and it took me out of my game. And that was the game I was going to win, by the way. I could feel it. So I thought, that's weird. PlayStation never drops the internet, and, and I kept trying to go on and reconnect it and reconnect it, and I looked at my phone, and my phone was not connected to the internet, and, and I thought, um, man, uh, that's really weird. And, um, and I thought, well, it may, it'll come back on in a second, and it kept not coming back on. It would come up, and it would give me any internet access, and I was getting a little frustrated, and finally my wife was downstairs. She shot me a text upstairs, and she said, oh, well. Now, I don't know what oh, well means in that context. <laughs> oh, well, the house is on fire. Oh, well, it's time to cook dinner. Oh, well, you know, I don't know what that means. And so um, I got, she texted me, and I just yelled downstairs, not polite, but I did it. What does oh, well mean? And she said, uh, the electricity is out. Well, I looked around and all the lights were on in the room I'm in. 
And I thought, man, X-Men school paid off for me. Like, I, I've got the power. I got the power. Electricity's off. No, it's not, babe. Yeah, it is, hon. And I went downstairs, and sure enough, the room she was in, all the, light, all the electricity was off. And uh, I went out to the breaker box, and sure enough, for whatever weird reason, the breaker in the room she was in had flipped off, and it happened to be the room that has the internet connected to it, my Wi-Fi. So I flipped the breaker. When I flipped the breaker back, it turned on the electricity, and everything that wasn't working started working. And that's a pretty good analogy for what this passage Jesus was trying to say in verse 29. If you want to turn on the spiritual electricity in your life, here it is. Walk with Jesus. That's what verse 29 was telling us. Prayer and fasting was more, it, it meant prayer and fasting, but it meant more than prayer and fasting. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples that if you'll walk daily with me, that if you'll spend time with me, that if you'll deepen your relationship with me, it is like turning on the spiritual electricity in your life. And you turn on the, you can turn the corner in 2018. So I don't know what your demons are. I don't know what your shortcomings are. I don't know what you need to atone for. I don't know that what you look back on 2017 that you'd like to be radically different in 2018. I don't know. Here's what I know for all of us. Our want to is, is there. I never doubt your or even my want to. It's the can-do that becomes a problem. But there's a solution for the can-do. And that is as I walk with God every day of my life, the can-do becomes more and more of a possibility. Because the key to moving up is kneeling down and walking with Jesus. So I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your shortcoming is. I don't know what your failure is. I don't know what your resolutions are. I don't know. I know that if you just try to do it in your own strength, about 8% of you are going to be able to knock it out this year. But here's the truth for a believer. We don't try to do that stuff in our own strength. We do it in the power of God. And we don't wait for a tragedy to walk with Jesus. We don't wait for uh, a demon-possessed boy to walk with Jesus. We don't wait for for a mission impossible before we decide to read our Bibles, be faithful, get on our knees. No, Jesus said, if he had just said, pray and cast the demon out, then we would have said, well, one good prayer would have fixed everything. He didn't say that. He said prayer and fasting. Here's why. He's talking about a daily regimen, a daily walk with Jesus. You know how to fix everything in 2018? Walk with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, there's no better way to start off 2018 than by knowing Christ is in your life and heaven is your home. And you can do that today. And it's as simple as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself, can't work your way to heaven. 
B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day. And C, you've got to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. It happened today. And so I'm going to have a staff member here on my right or my left. I'll be standing here at the front. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.